welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for July 11th, 2021, titled Intertwined Destinies by Reverend Alex Evangelista. Good morning. It is good to be with you all this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be holy and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me begin first with saying how wonderful it is to be with you all again in this sanctuary, whether you are here in person or joining us online. This morning, we continue our summer series, Praising God, Our Maker, a series on creation texts. A few weeks ago, Reverend Joyce Shin preached on the first creation text in our scriptures from Genesis 1 to 2-4b. It's a poetic creation narrative where God calls the whole cosmos into creation. Through the speech of God, the chaos is ordered. There is day and night, land and sea, And Creator God speaks forth vegetation, fruit, trees of every kind. And from the habitat of water comes the great sea monsters. And from the habitat of the sky comes the birds. From the habitat of the earth comes forth living creatures. And when God speaks into existence, humankind, Humankind is made in the image of God to have dominion over the birds that come from the air, over the cattle that come from the earth, and over all living things on the earth. And God saw that it was good, for God loves God's creation. And it's a beautiful telling of a creation that we're so familiar with that we may easily lose the powerful proclamation. As Walter Brueggemann says, we are so familiar with these texts that we have reduced them to cliches, but we should not miss the bold intellectual effort that is offered here, nor the believing passion which informs that intellectual effort. Israel is thinking a new thought. In the use of their faithful imagination, Israel's theologians have articulated a new world in which to live live in. The shapers of the text are believers. They are concerned with the theological reality. And there are many aspects to the theological reality in Genesis 1 that is proclaimed. There's one of sovereignty, one of God creating creation, 
bringing forth life from its own habitat, and one of calling creation good, of course, to name a few. So why do we have two creation narratives? For in our second creation narrative, we move away from the poetry of the creation of the cosmos to now us, the creation of human beings. And I'll emphasize what Brueggemann lifts up. Let us not miss the bold intellectual effort and the believing passion behind it. So what is the theological reality of Genesis 2? This time, when we enter the second account of creation, argued by scholars as the older account, we encountered the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. And this differs from the first narrative as they use the word Lord. Adonai speaks to this creation narrative attributed to the Yahweh's tradition, when authors regularly use the divine name, I will be who I will be. The stage is set. We're about to hear a creation narrative from a God who desires to be intimate, close to us. For let us remember when the divine name is revealed. It's when Moses has this intimate and personal encounter with God at the burning bush scene. And to Moses, who should I say sent me? The God of our ancestors says, I am who I am. In this second account, there's no separate habitats named or animals and plants that arise from these separate habitats. Instead, it begins with the absence of life, right? We read, no plant of the field, no herbs in the field, no rain has come down to water it and no one to till the ground. In naming the absence of life, hear the words of the authors who are setting up the narrative for a new theological thought. The features listed as showcasing the absence of life reflect ancient Israelite agrarian economy. As Theodore Hybert explains, the story's introduction, verses 4b to 6, which describes the absence of life before creation by singling out key features of the audience's world that did not exist. Pay attention, there's the pasture plants, right? For the Israelites, flocks of sheep and goats, right? The NRSV, the plant of the field. There's the field crops of grain and barley, the staples of the Israelite diet, the herb of the field. There's no rain to water the plants and a farmer to cultivate them. Thus, when the Yahweh first mentions humanity in this introduction, he thinks of humans not in isolation or even in relationship to God, but they're in their intimate relationship to their unique natural environment. For Adonai, the Lord God forms humanity from the dust of the ground. In the Hebrew, Adam is formed from the Adamah. It's a beautiful wordplay between the human and the substance used. 
As Carol Myers points out, the creation of Adam and Adama signals the integral connection between the first human's bodily substance and a cultivated ground that provides substance. It's from the same Adama, the same Adama, the same habitat that in verse 19, God forms every animal of the field and every bird of the air. <coughs> Instead of each creature being brought forth from its habitat, we hear the Yahweh's authors proclaiming a theological reality. All of creation is intertwined, coming from the same dust of the ground, a destiny for humanity to live in God's world with all of God's creatures and created things. A destiny. For aren't all creation accounts typically grounded by the question, where do we come from? Or maybe more importantly, who are we? What is our meaning? And when we look at the first creation narrative, Genesis 1, I have heard this question answered by pointing to Genesis 1:26, where humanity does not arise from the separate habitats of earth, waters, and sky, but instead humans are created separately, made in the image of God to have dominion over the earth. I've also read and, and heard of more faithful interpretations of Genesis 1, 26, where dominion is closely tied to being loving stewards. And it's important interpretation work, yet the bold intellectual effort in Genesis 2 makes our intertwined destinies even more clear. We are formed from the same Adamah. All living things from the same substance, from the same earth, created by our God. For after Adonai brings life to the garden, makes all the trees to grow, pleasant to the sight and good for food, brings forth water that sustains the garden, a gift from God to the garden, is when we hear what our purpose is, to till and to keep it. We are given a vocation, a calling, an expectation to participate and to share in God's work of caring for creation. Brueggemann points out that the pair, the word pair, till and keep, may suggest a gardener or a shepherd. Indeed, our God who serves as a gardener and brings life into creation gives us a task to be gardeners as well, shepherds of creation. Let me pause there for a second. Because I can imagine if I was sitting in your seat, or maybe I'm watching from home, I would imagine that maybe the next preacher move would be to talk more about the environment. Maybe I would bring up statistics of how creation groans and moans with climate crisis on the horizon, maybe better said, here already today, that we as humanity have not, not done a good job of being gardeners and shepherds of God's creation. Maybe you're one of the youth who have been tasked to watch sermons for the confirmation process, and you know too well about the climate crisis. 
as you participated in movements like the Sunrise Movements. And I could speak about the need for us to change our habits or maybe advocate for the change of the habits of corporations. And I'll come back to this because I do believe it's imperative to know that God is calling us to turn around, to repent, to hear the call to be gardeners and shepherds of this world. For our texts would say that our destinies intertwine with all of creation that came from the same dust, the same aramah, that we are to till and to care for creation as God does. Yet if you noticed, I let I left one piece out of the creation narrative. So let me lift up the one piece of the creation narrative that I left out. Let's all pause together this morning. I'm going to invite you to put your hand over your chest. And we'll pause here for a second, taking a deep breath. Do you feel it? Have we reduced this story to a cliche, a cliche? Or is this a bold intellectual effort, a painting of a theological reality? You can take it off your chest now. For what you feel is, that, is the breath of life that sustains us. And where does this breath come from? From Adonai, who breathed into humanity, who breathed into us the breath that makes us living beings. It reminds me of John 20, when Jesus shows up to the disciples for the first time after his death, where he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed unto them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The breath of life is in us, my friends. It sets this creation narrative apart. For truly this creation narrative has a believing passion that Adonai, our God, is the one who made the earth and the heavens. It is a bold intellectual effort that God, our shepherd and gardener, has created all things from the same earth, the same dust, the same anima. But maybe more importantly, it's a theological reality that is not for the faint-hearted. We are tasked to till and to keep this earth, to be gardeners and shepherds, not just because we want to avoid climate disaster, but because our destiny is intertwined with all of creation that came from the same dust. It is a bold vision that our Yahweh's authors have proclaimed because we know that this hard work that we are tasked to do is done with the breath of the living God within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for July 11, 2021, titled Intertwined Destinies by Reverend Alex Evangelista. We'll see you soon, and may the peace of Christ 
be with you.